Welcome to the Refuge Project. The Refuge Project is a place to have meaningful conversation in a safe place. We are your hosts. They got the team back together again. Yeah. I'm Pastor David. We got Pastor Caesar. Yo. And James is in the house. That's right. Boys are back in town. The boys are back in town. We're straight off the 2022 Elam Convocation. Yes. Yeah. Hey, for that. Yeah. yeah. Did y'all get some rest? No. 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 no, no. Not really. Yeah, it was uh, quite a quite, quite a ride, man. Quite a ride. It was yeah. it was ridiculous. It was in the best kind of way. It, it yeah. was it was it, as soon as it started, it was like uh, hundred hundred miles a second and just go go mm-hmm. fast. And it's really weird whenever you think about it. Like whenever coworkers or whatever you're sitting in your office and like, how was your week? And it's like, oh, it was good. But yeah. like you know, you, when you really unpack that, it's like, yeah, yeah. I was like around people that literally influenced. The world. Tens, thousands of people and plus. Yeah. Yeah, the world and, you know, people that that actually um, are living with purpose. Right. That, that's really scary, mm. you know. A lot of people just float. They just exist. You know what I mean? They're yeah. not present in what they're doing. And when yeah. you meet people that have seriously devoted their life, that's, that's, it's ruined, that's, that's intimidating. Right. Yeah. You meet somebody like that, like, wow. That's a person that's living with purpose. Yeah. Wow. And you and you know you you're kind of giving the highlight of what's going on, but you know the real like work behind it is y'all oh. was up there till midnight every night. You know serving food and oh, yeah. you know cleaning. And when you were ready to go home, then you had this big giant room and kitchen to clean. You know. Yeah. Well, this year was actually different from all the other years that I've uh, or that we've been a part of it. Being able to do that in the evenings. Um, and this is really cool too. One of the speakers spoke about leadership. Well, it was a lot of speakers spoke about yeah. leadership, but one of the things that I think was probably the biggest bomb for for me anyway throughout the whole week was uh, Dr. Jerry Williamson. Mm, he killed and, it. Oh man, he, the stuff that he was saying was it was so soft spoken, yeah. but I mean he was like he was slapping people across the face yeah. with what he was saying. It was so nice though, you know. But he uh, he said that the goal of leadership. Or one of the goals of leadership is, uh, or, or the mark of a true leader is whenever you progressively make yourself unnecessary. And I was like, oh, man, I really need to think on this one right now. Yeah. But I, I got a glimpse uh, to see that in, uh, in in the youth staff. They kick me out of the kitchen and say, we got it. Because wow. we, we're expecting, we're expecting a, a baby girl in any yeah. one of these days now. You yeah. know, and it's, Oh, wow, it's that soon? It's that soon. It could be uh, right now. I he can get a call. You could get the call. I can get the call right now, and that's how it was in convocation. So they, I didn't want to, uh, and, and they didn't want us to be so involved with the kitchen that something happens and... Something breaks down. Yeah. So the youth staff, they all, uh, they all just stepped up. We assigned them different days, different responsibilities. They all collectively got together, and then once everybody was set up, they said, "All right, you're dismissed. Get out of the kitchen." That's awesome. Yeah, and and it, it just felt uh, weird. Yeah. It felt weird because, uh, as you all know, because y'all are leaders in your own right, uh, it's your baby. You mm-hmm. want to take care of it. It's a reflection on you, and you just want to make sure that it's the best possible product that you're giving out there and uh, whenever they say we got it get out um and i trusted him that's yeah. the thing i trusted him you know that uh, that was taught to me early on when i was um just a young supervisor i had this uh this guy that he kind of took me under his wing he was actually the ceo of the company and i was just a, a nobody 
And uh, but I, I worked hard, you know, for everything that uh, that I was trying to get. And my it helped because my cousin also was one of the the big dogs in the company, and uh, so he just took an interest in me. And I asked him one day, I just like, man, I'm tired of doing this. I want something new. And he was like, he would just like teach the guy under you everything you need to know work yourself out of a job, and then take on the responsibility of the person above you without asking. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, you know, I'm going to trust him because now if I teach this guy everything that I know, then I might be out of a job, yeah. you know. Uh, and then I just started, like, going to the person above me and just like, hey, man, let me help you out. Let me do this and this and this. And then I became the favorite guy to work around because yeah. – I'm teaching the guy behind me everything, mm -hmm. and I'm taking pressure off the guy in front of me, mm -hmm. you know, and then it just worked out so well. I mean, I just just continued to climb the, the company all the way to the top, so yeah. it was it was fun. Yes. Um, on To pee back just a little bit on that, just kind of add, adding some wisdom from people that have, you know, done great things. Uh, one, of, uh, one of our managers, um, he imparted some wisdom like that as well. He said whenever... Whenever you devote yourself to making your manager, your supervisor, owner of the company, you devote yourself to making them look good and making the company look good, it's always gonna be it's gonna go well for you. Yeah. yeah for you sure. know, so give it your all regardless. And you know, I mean God is we can't make him look better, but we but I think we can make him look worse. Oh yeah, we definitely can do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so you know when you're as Christians when you go through like trials and tribulations, you're like, "Oh man, God's going, God's, God's got something for us." You know, God's got something for us. You always hear that, and then you know, sometimes you, you just you're just like, "Oh yeah, yeah," or you're just going through something, right? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, just a, a couple weeks before the the uh, convocation, just a few things are happening here and there. We're just working through them because it it's always happens, right? So you just thinking, okay, we just got to work through these things. And then you start hearing people saying, man, I tell you, like, there's going to be something about this convocation this year. I mean, we're working through, through these things. God's got something for us. And then we're sitting there Sunday, you know, through the, uh, the convocation, and just that first message Sunday night was just banging hard, and everything was good, and I'm sitting there. And my convocation experience is a little bit different because I'm trying to, like, make sure that everybody's okay. So I'm checking on everybody, making sure there's okay. And then I see Shelly, like, with these, like, these steps that meant something. You know, all the way mm -hmm. to the front, she leans over to uh, Pastor and would just, like, whisper something in his ear. And I just seen his, like, whole body just slump down. <laughs> his face was concerned. So I text her. I says, everything okay? And she texts me back, no. Yeah. I said, okay, time for me to get up, you know. Mm -hmm. um, just kind of like, you know, make sure Pastor knew, do his thing. I'll take care of this. And she was just like, so I just got off the hotel. They don't have no rooms ready for anybody. Uh, they don't have. And it's Sunday night. Everybody's Sunday night at, at 8 o'clock. Yeah. 8 o'clock p.m. Yeah. Service is happening. Service is happening. Most of these people have been on airplanes or they've been in cars traveling, and they're ready for a bed. Yeah. They're going to want to eat a dinner and then go straight go to, to their bed. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I was just like, she says, they don't have any sheets. And I was just like, well, you need to tell them to go buy some sheets from Walmart, and we'll be <laughs> over there to clean them, you know, to, to make beds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just come over here and make beds. When we get over there, there was 30-something rooms that have not been cleaned. No sheets, no nothing. 
And um, so I just started getting to tell Shelly, let's get a team. You know, and I start, we started grabbing people, and Sandra was just out there just snagging people. All right, come on, we're going to do this. Yeah, it's going to be fun, <laughs> yeah. you know. And she had, we're just going to go over there. We're going to knock out 30 beds. And Never and, a good sign when they try to tell you how fun it's going to be. Right, and the other, other thing is oh. you got to think about how these people were dressed. These people were dressed to go to church. Yeah. You know, heels, dresses. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got over there, man, it was the one of the best and worst experiences of our life. Mm-hmm. You know, it was one of those things. Everybody's jazzed up to make sure that these, you know, champions of God are going to be able to walk into the best situation possible. But at the same time, like you're looking at these rooms. So Calvin and I, we were like first ones in, you know, we go in, we strip the beds, take the trash out, get all the big stuff, you know? And can I tell you that people are nasty? Oh, of course yeah. they are. I mean, especially if they think they don't, they're not a, held accountable for their thing and they don't have to clean it up. Yeah. So like going to the public restroom, that could have been anybody, you know, mm-hmm. and you're not cleaning it up. But my thing is, like, I, I work too hard, you know, <laughs> when I go to a hotel. <laughs> yeah. Like, do. I try to leave it, you know, decent for the, the people yeah. that come in. You don't have to. Like, <laughs> You know, if if you could like take in or you like call in and like somebody bring you a pizza or whatever, you know, if you're out or you bring some food back, you know, you take you eat and then you set it out by the door. Yeah. You know, that way they can take your trash out because if it's you're like me, person. I don't want people coming in and out while I'm there. Yeah. yeah so I put the do not disturb. I'm there two or three days, whatever. I don't clean my sheets and check you know, change my sheets every day at home. Yeah. So I'll deal with you know for whatever time I'm there. These people would just have like. They're trash for a week. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, have never flushed the toilet. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It was just the now nah, I probably will never <laughs> stay in another hotel again. Especially <laughs> that one. Yeah, especially that one. I mean, that's what you know, the the bread and breakfasts or um, you know, the the how homes you Airbnb. can rent, Airbnb, all those things, man. Are, uh, that's the way to go. Calvin said that he uh he said when y'all were cleaning those rooms, he said a lot of those rooms look like they haven't been cleaned in like a long time. I think that some of them that we went into, like that they checked out like a week ago, uh-huh. and they just been sitting. And they just been sitting there, yeah. Right. You know, because they hadn't needed them, and so the people were just like, ah, "I'm yeah. not going to clean them. We don't need them." Well, yeah. I mean, if they were short staffed, like they were saying they were, uh, unless you're running a full hotel, if you've only got ten rooms booked and you're short-staffed, like, why would you clean all the rooms? Yeah. Yeah. Like, but the problem is there's food in there. Yeah. I remember this one guy. He goes, I wanted the, the manager, poor poor guy. Um, he goes, they're going to clean this room. We go in there, and, like, the air conditioner is on the bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think this one's out of service. I said, yeah, I think so, buddy. <laughs> but it was one of the uh, – most satisfying things that I've ever done. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Even when you felt like, so I, we came home and we just like scrubbed, like we got to get all of this off. And I woke up and Sandra goes, how did you sleep? I said, I feel like I'm still nasty. Mm-hmm. And I had to get up and take another shower, you know, cause it was just so gross. But like seeing those missionaries and just the champions from God, like coming in and seeing that he was like, what are y'all doing? Like, Oh, yeah, some things were bad. We're just trying to make it the best for you. And then just, like, them thanking you over and over and over again. It's just one of those things that there's nothing better. No, there's nothing it, it better. It speaks volumes of the, the host church. Yeah. And uh, really, uh, glory to God, you know. And 
That's awesome. And for a little context for our listeners that uh, aren't from Texas, aren't from Houston, uh, during this time, um, Rodeo Houston is going on. Gigantic rodeo. I don't know if it's the biggest rodeo in the world, but it's definitely the biggest rodeo. It's in, a big one. Yeah, it's gigantic uh, in the world. Don't know if it's the biggest, but it's a big one. And um, yeah, it's a whole, what is it, three weeks, yeah. four weeks long yeah. or something Almost like that? A month. Every hotel in the surrounding area is booked up um, and, uh, of course, charging a premium for it. And uh, we so happen to have this gigantic convocation uh, scheduled at the same time. So um, there was, yeah, just being able to say, okay, well, we're just going to go find another room somewhere else. That 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 wasn't a that wasn't a possibility. No. So it was. And it's not just one room. It's, no. You know, how many was it? 30? How many rooms? I think we cleaned thirty. Yeah. Yeah, but there was what that we had what eighty ninety rented out. We had forty eight rented out. And there was like 80, 90 days worth mm. of rooms, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So it was just, yeah, per, yeah. pretty interesting. Um, there was this one kid, he was working the desk, right? And when we got there, it was hard to get, they had like two ladies that, you know, didn't walk out because most of their staff walked out. Oh, yeah. Out. Did we say, so I heard, you know, they don't have a staff to clean the room. Did they, they walked out that day? Or was they they just been short for a long time, or what was the deal? Because I not, haven't really. I'm heard. not too for sure, <clears throat> but they said they walked out that day. Not too for sure. I think that they just got behind and just, just said that and just said that. Um, but it was frustrating because we were there to work and they wasn't ready for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They're they had this routine of them going in and doing certain things. Well, we bring 15 people and we're just like, yeah, okay, we're, we're going to do 30 rooms out. in an hour and 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know? And they wasn't ready for that cuz no. we're just like, hey, give me this, give me this, you know, we're just and they couldn't supply what we needed fast enough. So, brother Galvin went down to the front desk and he was just like, "Hey man, we need this." And the guy was just like, well, uh, you know, I just, I don't know, and this and that. So he, he, he got so upset. He went around to the, behind yeah. the counter and was just like, no, you're going to give this to me right now. And the guy was just like, but, but I've only been working for three days. Calvin told me at some point that kid was like, he was asking the kid for something. And the kid was like pretending to be on the phone. Yeah. And uh, he was, and Calvin goes, I could see his home screen lit up. So I went over there and was like, hey, buddy. You're yeah. not on the phone. Yeah, yeah. Calvin was not having it. That is too no. funny. Yeah, you because know, those people were there to get a paycheck versus the people that go with an actual purpose to get a job done. Yeah. It's, it, it looks completely different. Well, plus, like I told Calvin, because he was telling me about that kid too. I said, uh, I don't know how low, old he said he was, but everybody kept saying kid. So he's like, like 22, maybe. 22. Yeah, young, no, well, early 20s. Old. Well, that's older than I thought. Uh, when he was saying it, I was thinking he was like 17, 16. 18. Well, or when you're like 45, yeah, yeah, 22 right. is 17. But the point was, uh, <laughs> the point was like. That math checks out. That's That's got to be like one of his first jobs. Like yeah. he's probably never been in a high stress situation quite like that. Mm-hmm. Definitely not like at that job. You know, he was, I'm sure he's never had 30 people show up to clean all these rooms, yeah. you know, in an hour. Like, mm-hmm. And he, I said, that kid's not going to know how to handle that kind of stress. No, you know? and then uh, especially of, when you get Calvin right in your face, <laughs> being like, "Hey, buddy, no, you're going, <laughs> you to. are going to get." <laughs> uh, Senator goes, "Hey, like, how many rooms are we cleaning?" 
Yeah. Like, we feel like we're cleaning more rooms. Like, we're, we're just cleaning your hotel, uh-huh. not the rooms that we're doing, you yeah. know? And the, you know what the, the, the lady told her? Well, God will bless you for it. <laughs> and she was just like, no, we, we're not doing that. Yeah. You know, we're here for the... Oh, and the other thing they told her was, um, they said, uh, she goes, oh, these are not for y'all? Like, we were there to clean yeah, our, own to clean rooms. our own rooms. And then she was just like, no, these are like pastors and missionaries that are coming from all over the world. She goes, oh, so we don't have to do a very good job. <laughs> and Sandra was just like, no, you have, have to, to do a better yeah, job. Yeah, better yeah. job, yeah. Yeah, and so we were just like, this, so this is kind of like uh-huh. the, the battle we were, we were man, it was, it we was night that, one. We'll yeah. use one. that hotel next year. Yeah, no, they're, they're done. <laughs> they were done, but actually they were done before. Yeah. Like, we already had issues with them before, so. To say all of that. Like, God was doing something, you know, yeah. and it was one of the, the better, I know we say that every year, but this was truly one of the, the best convocations that we had. It was awesome. Um, and we knew at that point God was really going to do something there at that convocation. And I think he did, man. I think um, um, the worship was great, you yeah. know, uh, the the balance between the three different types of worship with uh brother Stacy and Bobby and and, and uh, you guys that was a three <laughs> uh, I think it was I think it was perfect cuz when you were talking about hitting all generations mm-hmm. we hit all generations yeah. you know and I think that when you look back nobody left was like man you know all they did was play that loud fast music or man all they did was play you know the hymnal type stuff all they had was that worship leader that looked like a cartoon character yeah you know yeah. i mean they they every heart was touched by whatever worship music they like you know and i think there, there's there's benefits to that you yeah. know uh pastor ron your shout out to pastor ron he led worship one night too or one morning yeah uh so it was it was good it was good uh, a lot of stuff. Yeah, and I'm we're, we're waiting for the uh, you know the emails and the letters and the testimonies like we get every year. Those are always awesome. Yeah, you, know, you never know who's who's getting ready to quit. Yeah, and then they uh, or just super discouraged uh, at, from their church um, if they're leading the church, the leading people, and people just don't get it. Yeah, you know, and then they see a church on fire, a church that has a purpose, and uh, that's reinvigorating. Yeah, for know? sure, for sure. And by right, the way, right, if anybody uh, aren't these. All these. If anybody's listening and you, you know, you weren't a part of Elam and you were interested in these services, don't we have them posted somewhere? Yeah, they're all on YouTube, Elam Church, uh, Houston, Texas, or you can go to our Elam Church uh, Facebook page. Uh, they're on there too. So yeah, convocation, the convocation. Yeah. Check out our website, elamoasis.org. Yep, on that, there's links to all of our social media and everything. There, shout out to uh, Nikki for doing an amazing job on our, our social. That's media. right, Nikki gets clapped because she does awesome. She's been, she's been absolutely killing it lately. So she needs some um, bombs to be dropped. Yeah, for sure. what, I don't have a bomb um, button. No, I can give her some DJ air horns. There we go. There we go. All right, well, let's jump right into culture corner. Turn up my snare. Turn up my snare. Turn up the treble. You're into the snare now? <laughs> Speaking of snares. Goodness. Oh, here we go. Great segue. Uh, <laughs> so there's been more controversy out there on uh, some mega churches and just seemed like a lot of things going on with mega churches lately. Uh, so, you know, and for the most part, I'd like me some Stephen Furtick, you know, for the most part. I mm-hmm. think that some of his some of his things uh, early on were a little bit out there. 
But I think that he's maturing a little bit. I think he's coming around. Not totally for sure yet, but I, for the most part, I like what he has going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't stand for Elevate. Elevation Church, ah, okay, Elevation gotcha. Worship, all that stuff. Sorry, I'm not easily... everybody shares this the same view as me, and I get it. Um, but for the most part, I'm not saying I'm all in on them. Uh, but his son just released an, uh, some music. I don't know if y'all heard about this music. This music What's is his son's name. His son is named Elijah Furtick. Okay. Uh, releasing a, a song called No Hook. And this song referenced oral sex, drinking Hennessy, and his bro keeping a gun. Okay. And these are not like, you know, your really edgy Christian songs where they were referring to these things in a negative way. The things way. they did in their past. Right. But now This they're... is just a young, and listen, I, I don't, I'm not going to smash on this kid because he's only 16, okay? And I know that 16-year-olds are not uh, mature enough sometimes to always do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to, I don't, this is not smashing on the kid at all. Um, but there's a lot of people out there smashing on this kid right now, smashing on Furtick and his family. Um, so I started thinking about it, um, and it's a bad look. It's a bad, bad look. For, for people or We're for not going to play this song? For this we kid? This no, song? we're not going to play this song. <laughs> we don't want to do this song. I, I don't want to play this song. <laughs> thought uh, we were one of those edgy podcasts. <laughs> no, nah, I, I mean, I just don't want to give light to it, you know? Yeah, I got you. Um, it's a it's a bad it's a bad look for this kid. He's a he's a, a young white kid. Is he a kid claiming to be Christian like with the? I I, mean, I mean, or is he just some kid who's like rebelling against his that's what, preacher that, dad? That's, that's kind of where I'm that, that I think I'm going is where it's going is. Um, he's a young white kid, grew up with privilege. I mean, their house is unbelievable. I mean, he has everything he wants. He's a multimillionaire. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. a multimillionaire, and um, but I think. The tragedy is not there. I think that this kid is probably looking at culture, mm-hmm. trying to rap about the things that he thinks are cool right now. Mm-hmm. Um, not a very good rapper. He he uh, He's more of a producer. Mm-hmm. His production skills are not bad. Okay. I think there's a future there for that part of it. Um, but this is where it kind of got, it, it got thrown off for me. Now, Stephen Furtick is actually catching a lot of heat right now because he posted that he is so proud uh, of his son and the things that he's doing uh, that he he said, uh, but today the release of a time machine, I want you to know that you inspire me. And this is what he he, uh, put on his his social media about his son. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's taking, like him and his his wife are taking a lot of heat because she put something similar, how proud she is of his son. Um, So yesterday, I uh, actually, man, I hope, did did I pull this up? Because I think it's actually worth worth looking at. Uh, I'll, I'll pull it up here in just a second. But I think, Where do you draw the line when you're you you might and I, I'm just speculating because I don't know where this young man is, but if he's rapping about these things right now, I don't think he's probably serving God like he's supposed to. Sure. Okay. Um and he's making a little bit of money, so it's not and for me, I don't know if Steve this is the other problem. Is Furtick financing this? 
Is he financing the videos? Is he financing the music? I don't know, but I do know this kid has been doing some production work. He has a Patreon page where he can he's selling his stuff and different things like that. Independently, so, independently that, that was going to be my next yeah, question. Yeah. To, this is all independent. Yeah, nothing running through the church, nothing running through uh, elevation worship. This is all this this, this young boy. Um, so. Where, like, as parents, what do we do? You know, you want to encourage your kids to do these things. And he, he's on this high-profile setting. Uh, and if you know your kid's backs, backsliding, you want to encourage them. You want to let them know how much they you inspire you and all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of where well, are you guys at on that? Well, I think whenever – the Bible never had this in mind as far as – on this level of scope, right? Whenever it would, whenever we read these ancient words, it in those words we don't see talks of mega churches. We don't see uh, the, the. We just don't. See, it's not the same kind of thing. First century church and where we're at now are, look completely different. So in that regard, um, you. <laughs> You have to look at, for me, this is how I would approach it as a, as a pastor, as a youth pastor especially, because it's all about culture with young people. It's all about culture. Um, you have to go back to the original, to the original mandate that was given to, uh, you look at Timothy, whenever Paul's instructing Timothy on how to run a church. He's a young, he's a young preacher. He's a young pastor, pastoring a multi-generational group of people. And, uh, and, People are still the same. Culture uh, might change, but one thing that never changes is that the younger always want to follow the current culture. But whenever he's talking to Timothy specifically and telling him, "Look, hey, you got to raise up, you got to raise up your house well. You got to, you have to be the one that actually puts in the work to uh, reprimand them when when necessary, sit them down, correct them." Bring them up in the fear of the Lord. You know, you have to check your wife, check your family, because people in the church are going to be looking at you for leadership. And yes, this is a completely, uh, this is on a macro level because so many eyes are on elevation and Pastor Stephen, uh, but nevertheless, he still has a biblical responsibility to rebuke his son. And that's not the Bible's fault on how big that they are. Not publicly, though. Well. Or I, publicly. Publicly, because he is a public figure. He is a public persona. And he doesn't pastor a home homegrown church that is just local and is there. It's a global church. There's people that don't even go to church that call Stephen Furtick their pastor. And if that's true... You have to do some pastoring, but how do you pastor people if if you don't even you're not even around them? To pastor a person means to uh, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Those are the mandates that are given to pastoring: reprove, rebu- rebuke, and exhort. People need to see the example in the family. It's not God's fault. It's not the Bible's fault on how big elevation is. That that was their decision. Um, to let everything open. The man of God doesn't have the privilege of being private. 
because his family needs to be on display, according to the word. Now, that doesn't mean complete full transparency. You know, of course, you have to have private moments that you deal with family things. But whenever they're exploded on this kind of platform, again, I don't think that's God's fault. That's man's fault. Yeah, but I agree, right? But I don't know how it, – it maybe his words here could have been something different. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you take a young man that is rebelling – and then discipline him publicly. Yeah. I don't know. For me, that almost pushes you even more. Oh, my dad! Now my dad's going to talk to me yeah. publicly about all my bad decisions. Yeah, like, how can we like, can man to man type deal? You it's know? like if you like if you had a kid and they were doing something you disapproved of, like. I don't know, maybe they're doing drugs or something, and you're like, well, you're not doing that in my house. Kick them out of the house and all that kind of stuff. Like, I just, I don't know, I I don't know anybody where, like, severe, tough love has been shown to them because they were living wrong and it did any good. I'm sure there's somebody out there, but I don't know of any. Yeah, and my my point of view is kind of void right now of grace and mercy, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But then again, as a father... He should have monitored that stuff even before it went out. I agree. Yeah. And and then that's that's back on him. Mm-hmm. So take a take you know, don't even look at the whole pastor and the the just the the you know, the love <laughs> or the, the, gar- he said the for Alvin Ross. The gargantuan that elevation churches, right? Don't don't look at that. Just just look at it separate as a man and dealing with his family. He should have been monitoring that stuff before it ever came out. And if uh, if if a father's too busy and in ministry, how many times is that true? Uh, you're just too busy doing other things, not bad things. You're just busy doing other things that you don't have time to monitor everything. Now we uh, you know we live in this modern world now where you can't moderate everything. Any 16 year old with a laptop or a cell phone is an influence now, influencer now. They can have their own you know social media platforms and release whatever they want, and it's just too much to monitor. Whenever you're a man that has a vision, a purpose, you you're running a machine like elevation, like yeah, I mean he, I I can see it being like you only see a problem when there is a problem, right? You know, because everything else you're focused on the work at hand and and uh, but you know that doesn't that doesn't neglect no matter how popular he ever is or 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 all that he's first his first and foremost he's a father. Yeah. And um that's kind of where I would like like dude manage your house. Yeah. Um and he's 16, right? So yeah. the the next one I want to talk about is he's a little bit over I think he was 18 was Toby Maxson. Mm-hmm. Uh and this is the text I think the night before or or two nights before Toby Maxson died. I wanted to tell you how proud I am of you uh, last night. You showed a ama- uh, you, you your show was amazing. And I think that you have the it factor, which is very important but unexplainable. Your joy is infectious, and uh, and you invite people into it. Um, and he goes on just to, just to tell him like how he encourages him by watching him perform. And, and this was a text. Um, and he, he then he goes on to tell him he goes, God misses you. God doesn't miss those things like he notices before, but he misses you. And he's so he's trying to encourage his son, like I almost like I don't approve. But I love you. But I love you. Mm-hmm. But I see the the gifts that God has given you, you know, 
But at the same time, God misses you. Yeah. And I think that that's something that Furtick probably could have done by addressing, hey, man, you're so talented and God has given you some amazing gifts and and, and I'm proud of you for you to be able to use those gifts. But God is missing that part uh, of... and that was probably his heart as a father and as a pastor, as somebody that cares for people. That probably was his heart. It's just whenever you get to his platform, uh, or not even that, but you get you get to be a person of affluence and you're out there, you don't always have the privilege of prefacing every single thing that you put out there. So people are like, he should have done this, he should have done that. And look, I'm not a Stephen Furtick fan, okay? Right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not. But, but again, like... Look, for the sake of everybody else, he's got to preface preface every single statement just so y'all are okay. Like, y'all need to get off his back a little bit, too, because y'all don't preface anything with y'all's families. So they just, yes, they just so happen to live in in the limelight, and that does come with responsibilities. But I'm also going to give some grace there because... It, it, you go crazy trying to preface everything you say in a daily conversation with somebody. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's tough. It's tough. But yeah. like I said, I don't. They're there. They're there in 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 those kind of platforms because I I believe it was a that's a man made thing, yeah. and uh, they can't blame God for for God's standard. No matter how blown up it gets, God's standard is still God's standard, and He tells the men of God. Manage your house. Yeah, that's interesting. But like, what could he? What could he say? You know, like if he said, if he said, "Hey, this is so horrible. I don't approve of all this stuff." Like, you know, he's going to get a ton of people. Oh, big time! You know, like there's not really anything he could say where he's not going to have people uh, really upset with him. And I mean, it's at the end of the day, you you always the answer to all of these problems is always loving them more. And it's like, how do you show that properly? While, like you said, you know, still not. Condone another condoning, yeah. yeah, all of that. This but. is Toby Maxson, and you got you got to think. Put this in perspective. This is some of the last few words mm-hmm. between a father yeah. and a son before he died. He says, "Love you, Dad. Thank you so much. You have always believed in me and made me feel like a superhero." Yeah, there you go. You know, there you go. Um, and I think that somebody like Toby Mac, he got it. Mm-hmm. You know, he understood that he still had to love his son, but hate some of the stuff that he was doing. But he still had to love his son, you yeah. know. Um, but yeah, it, it, it would be tiring. And I think something like what you said. Uh, this is whole another podcast. But you saying that position is man made. Man, I'd like to get in that discussion sometimes because I I don't even know where to think about that right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, I haven't even thought about mega churches and is that a God thing? Is that a, a man made thing? Um, but it just just made me think yeah yeah and we're not we won't we don't have time and, and, and that's a great that really is a great uh podcast there but i do believe that there's lines in the sand you know where do you draw them that that i think that just depends on a lot as far as far as your leadership team capability what god has given and all that stuff but i do believe there's a line in the sand and uh it's the responsibility of every church every organization to figure that out for themselves um uh you know is it is it wrong are mega churches sin no no, I think if you think a mega church is sin, I think you need you need to do some hard thinking. Uh, some of the greatest things that have been done in cities are a result of these uh, mega churches coming through. I used to be a very very big opponent of mega churches, and I I, I still don't agree with a lot of stuff, but I am a lot less um, 
judgmental and severe when it comes to mega churches um, because I've seen a lot of good that maybe even at the top, if the the top is lacking, that doesn't mean that the structure below it is lacking. You know, so, um, so you know, and I've had my personal experiences with all that, which we won't get into right now. Yeah. But uh, it's definitely something we need to make a note of and come back to it on its own podcast. Yeah. For sure. For sure. All right. I got a song for y'all. Torn Wells. Uh, God's not done with you yet. And the reason I'm playing with playing this is because my son uh, got first place in the talent show during a convocation hey, for singing hey. this song. So shout out Noah. <laughs> God's not done with you yet. Torn Wells. Shout out to Noah. Um, A.K.A. Christian Michael Jackson. <laughs> did, he, uh, did he sing it or did he do the lip sync? He sang it over the track. Gotcha. Because, you know, so. I, man, I haven't seen. I just remember years ago when I did the, when when I was in kids' church and they would do the talent show, it was like the lip singing contest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm going to shout out to Roy, too, because Roy was Roy was like a duo of them singing the song. Oh, cool. Shout out to little Roy. And they got uh, first place. Yeah, uh, Roy Sylvia, uh, yeah. Silva. Yeah. Silva. What did they? Uh, what did they win? Did they win a thing? Yeah, first, or? first place medal, bro. Hey, he came out all happy, showing everybody. Yeah, they have a group, they have a group name. Uh, I don't know. They oh. just the little worshippers, man. That's what they want to do. Little worshippers. I don't know if that's it or not. I just called them little worshippers, <laughs> but uh, L I L little little worshippers. But they could have picked any song, and you know they was thinking about doing some rap songs and. They were just like, now we're going to do a worship song. Yeah, because Noah's really white, and then Roy's really brown. So, they, <laughs> they, so you know, they could have done something like, I don't know. Roy was... Um, S'mores. Roy was asking his dad, uh, <laughs> hey, do you know such and such rapper or whatever? And he was just like, I don't know him, but I know some people that know him. He was just like, you think he can come, like he can do a verse on it? <laughs> just like, he can do a verse on his own song. <laughs> nice. That's great. Uh, but they didn't need him, man. They, they, they chose to, to worship, and uh, amazing job. 
yeah, I'm, I'm proud. Of, I'm proud of Noah for just going in on a worship song. Yeah, man, you know? this year, uh, you know, at, at Rodeo Houston, it was Bum B. Next year is going to be Noah and Roy. Yeah, um. that's, that's awesome. No <laughs> worshipers. Uh, no worshipers. Yeah, so. Give me some more. During our, uh, during our convocation, we was able to, to uh, record a, a few uh, interviews. So y'all stay tuned for Jack Moore. He is a Native American Indian that's do, doing ministries on uh, reservations. So uh, we had a chance to stop by and talk to him. All right, guys, thanks for uh, stopping by. Uh, for all you guys out there listening, we have um, Jack Moore. You and, almost forgot the names and you wrote them down. We, <laughs> and Raymond Stewart. We were just talking about before we started recording how I'm terrible with names. And I, I wrote Ray's name down because I knew I wouldn't forget Jack. And then I almost forgot Jack. That's how it goes. Yeah. Thanks for stopping by, guys. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. you for the opportunity. Yeah. We. Uh, so, you, uh, Jack, you've been coming around Elo for how long now? You know, I think I was thinking about that today. And I think I've been coming here now for well over 20 years. Wow. That sounds about right. Uh, yeah. Guys, I remember being like, like five yeah. and, yeah, senior. We were here. Right? And I'm like 28. Yeah. Okay, so I thought I was a teenager. <laughs> I wasn't quite a teenager back then. <laughs> uh, but we just, we just talking, we remember your dad coming and having his full headdress. And uh, if you don't know, if you don't, just kind of just give a short brief of who you are and, uh, you know, kind of where you come from and those type of things. Thank you. Uh, the, thank you for the opportunity. My name is Jack Moore. I am the president of uh, White Eagle Christian Academy, which is a school located in the heart of the Rosebud Sioux Indian Reservation in South Dakota. And uh, we have been an accredited school now for 23 years. We now go through the 12th grade. We're not a large school, but we have, I can't even, I, I don't even know how many hundreds of students that we have passed through our halls and have uh, witnessed the, the uh, the gospel too. We we one of my joys every year in our school is to be able to personally one on one visit with our students and uh, give them an opportunity to say yes to Jesus and hear them pray. Yeah. Uh, so it's an exciting thing for us. It it not only provides a first class education, but it also gives our students a uh, an opportunity to share their love for Jesus with their families. And many of our families, uh, in fact, uh, many of our students, they don't go to our church. They they simply come to our school because it's it's known as a good school. And and so these children, uh, we teach them about the the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they go home and tell their parents, and 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 it has it has a real impact. When we first started, they said to us, "Well, you might last six months." Wow. But now we're finishing our 23rd year, and uh, uh, it's exciting as can be. Christian Life Fellowship Church is the church that I have pastored since uh, 1980, um, and I'm in the process of trying to retire. It's not working very well, but I'm in the process of trying. I will maintain the control and operation of White Eagle Christian Academy, but I have have uh, turned over the leadership of the church, uh, Christian Life Fellowship Church, to a younger couple in our church. They've been with us for eight years now, and, and we've known them for quite a while. We ordained them. We've uh, got them ready to start. Their names are Luke and Miranda Warsick. They're not Indians, but they're nice enough to be, and uh, they do a good job. And we're just excited. We, we, we have some unique uh, situations with our school in that uh, we, we don't 
We don't get any money from the from the federal government uh, for our school, uh, and so consequently, we have to raise enough money to support it, and and. Unfortunately, most of our parents cannot afford tuition. We've established a tuition schedule of $3,600 a year. But, and for private school uh, across the country, that's pretty reasonable. Uh, but nonetheless, our parents, so it could be, it could be 36,000 and they, you know, it right. wouldn't make any difference. Yeah. Um, so we, we go out and raise money. We have offered uh, scholarships to our students, and as people join us and support, it, that that $3,600 uh, amortized at 12 months is 300 bucks a month. And not too many people are going to want to plop down 300 bucks a month for a student they don't know and people they're not, are not too sure of. However, we have, we've developed a program to uh, allow people to... Uh, uh, invest in a student at $30 a month, and 10 of those then covers the tuition for one child. And it's been, it's been uh, rather successful, uh, we, we, but we, we have also noticed with, like everybody else, you know, this pandemic, what we call it a plandemic, uh, thing that has occurred has created inflation that's in, incredible. Our costs this year uh, from food to utilities to everything has gone up more than 25%. And, and subsequently, our income has dropped about 20%. So we're, we're struggling right now. Uh, but we have we have never we've never not paid our bills. We've never never done anything like that. But we're just looking for people to come and join us. Okay, if somebody wanted to to sponsor a kid, where would they go to to do that? They could they could. Uh, our website is down at the moment. We're in the process of of uh, revitalizing it and changing it all around. Um, my post office box. Is um, my address in Mission, South Dakota, is Post Office Box 1326, 1326, Mission, South Dakota, and our zip code is very hard to remember. It's 57555. <laughs> and, and what about the email address? Email address is WECA, which of course is the acronym for White Eagle Christian Academy, at GWTC, which is the acronym for Golden West Telecommunications. .net. Okay. And then you said something about funding. You don't get funding from the government because you're on a reservation? No, because we're a private Christian school. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so what is what is the faith uh, on a reservation like that? Our place is, is, is not unlike many other reservations across the country. However, we are unique in a few different ways. One of the ways that we are extremely unique right now is that our our people, our, our Native American people, um, operate in a system of fear. So this this uh, mask mandate and all of those other things that came along fed right into that that mindset. So consequently, we have people that are just. just Afraid, afraid to go out of their houses, afraid to take off their mask, afraid to communicate and and be a part of society, and we are working and praying right now to find the way, the method, the thing that God would use the most to defeat this spirit of fear. And where did that fear come from? Well, uh, 
How can I do this kindly? I'll do my best. Most Native American religions are are have a a fear based uh, um, teaching. In other words, in other words, God's going to get you. Mm -hmm. uh, remember, we, we we were told that when we were kids yeah. all the time. You know, God's going to get you for that, mm -hmm. and and you you'd rather have God get you than your mother, but uh, that's the way it worked. Right. Only that has that has gone now into the mindset, and our people, of course, have been decimated, desecrated for centuries, and so it's easy for them to take on this this mantle of fear to protect themselves. Right, right. Wow. Um, so, uh, you know, you have Ray here, and, and you're not Indian, I can tell by looking at you, um, right? Irish Puerto Rican. Yeah, there you go, far from Indian. Uh, <laughs> you think you need Puerto Rican? Yeah, my mother's uh, full-blood Puerto Rican. Wow. I was born in Puerto Rico, and uh, my dad was an Irish Texan. All right, and uh, a, lot of, yeah. a lot of white people like to say... Uh, but do have a little Cherokee in me. <laughs> so how, how is the how are you know the native people taken by um, I guess white men or, or outside of the the tribe coming right. in to teach and and those different things? They are they are sometimes readily accepted, depending upon what they are they have to offer to our people. Our people are are mostly. I shouldn't wax political here, though, should I? Uh, no, just do whatever you want. Tell yeah. how it is. Our people, our people are mostly of a liberal political bent, and and there are a couple of reasons for that. One of the major reasons for that is the mostly the liberal parties provide uh, uh, the 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 fundings and things that that people that people de depend on. Our people depend on welfare. We are a strictly cash economy um, because people get a check once a month and, and, and then they, the grocery store is so packed you can't get in there for two or three days. And then about from the 20th on, people are coming begging for food and milk and diapers. and um, it's, it's, it's not a good thing. Wow. So, so, so when, when, we talk about, when we talk about poverty... Um, we understand poverty, right? Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that when we were in school, that was one of the things that we were that we were taught that there's a lot of poverty, uh, a lot of um, uh, drug. I'm not drug, but uh, alcohol, alcohol abuse, and meth, stuff like that. Meth and drugs is is predominant. Yeah, yeah. Really. methamphetamines yeah. have have ruined the lives of many, many, many of our people. Well, I think that you're seeing that across the country, right? Yes, uh, sir. Meth is just kind of taken because it's a cheap drug and it's getting in these communities and a lot of smaller communities, you know, small mm -hmm. towns and, and you know, uh, yeah. things like reservations and stuff like that. It's just really destroyed them. Um, uh, Incidentally, my mother was born in Puerto Rico. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> But she wasn't Puerto Rican. No, she's she's German. Uh, <laughs> that's why I look like this instead of like a real Indian. His uh, brothers look like real Indians. Yeah. Really? But, uh, yeah, he was the white one. But yeah. my mustache is better than hers. You've got a very German mustache, man. <laughs> <laughs> what do you know about Ron Hutch, Hutch, uh, Hutchcraft? I know Ron Hutchcraft oh, yeah. very well. Eagle, just the Eagle guy, right? Yeah. 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 He's a personal friend of mine. Okay. Uh, I've known Ron for... 
20 years or better. Uh, and, and now his son Brad is taking over most of the ministry with him. Mm-hmm. Um, Who's Ron Hutchcraft? I don't know, and I'm sure well, somebody... Ron Hutchcraft was really somebody when I was first coming up in ministry that I listened to it influenced me a lot. Uh, yeah. he, he had a radio program, um, and uh, I followed him on his website, and I ha- I've, he used to come out with these like thoughts of the day, and it was like a paragraph on, or something like that. And I used to say that stuff. I'd reason and I'd save it, and I'd put it in a folder, and then I would produce a whole message out of Absolutely. it uh, as a young minister. And uh, I still have my folder with all those. So in. I, I couldn't remember his name. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I looked it up, and then I, I got it out of one of those uh, one of those things that I saved. Yeah. Well, you know, Ron Hutchcraft uh, has done a tremendous amount of work with Native American young right. people. He he has. An, an organization called On Eagle's Wings, mm-hmm. and and they do uh, uh, ministry on several different reservations in throughout the year. They have a huge, uh, 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 really stringent discipleship program that they ha- have once a year. And I, I've been to many of those, and it, it's an amazing thing to watch six, seven, eight hundred young Native American people stand there with their arms raised and praising the Lord and thanking Jesus for salvation. Wow. How? What is the strength of of the the Native Americans now, as far as numbers? You know, I, uh, are 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 they just continuing to, to leave the reservations and kind of getting out to the main culture, or is it still something that they take pride of being um, part of part of the culture? That's a good question, and and there's a there's a a, a good answer as well. Most of our reservation peoples always come home because family is the the knot that holds our our culture together. Um, we have extended families that that go well beyond uh, uh, just a mother, father, and the word is Tioshpai. Yeah, Tioshpai is an extended yeah. family, and and uh, as such, our whole our whole system is based on that family. For instance, um, your your father is your father, of course, but your father's brothers are your uncles, but they can also be called your father because they're they're just part of that system. Your your dad's dad is uh, your grandfather, but uh, his brothers are also your grandfathers, and it's the same thing on the on the matriarchal side. You, you have we have many grandmothers. When I when I first started the school there, and I didn't, I was a, I, I was raised off the reservation, so when I came back, I had to learn a lot. We had a little kid in our school came to school one day. He's kind of down. And he said he wouldn't be there for the next two or three days because he had to go to his grandma's funeral. And I felt sorry for the young guy. I said, well, sure, that's that's fine. That's no problem. And uh, about six months later, he came in one day again and said, I'm going to be gone for the next two or three days. I have to go to my grandma's funeral. And I thought, well, this is the other side of the family now. Well, this happened about four or five times. And and it took me a little while to recognize that these were his his grandmother's sisters. Mm-hmm. And they called them grandma. Wow. Um, and they're aunts to us, right? Those yeah. Aunts yeah. 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 Great aunt. yeah. Yeah. So, and we don't have we don't have relations like uh, in laws. We, we do have them, but we my my daughter in law, for instance, is my daughter. Um, 
there are some traditional taboos in that. For instance, a, a, a traditional man can cannot look in the eye or actually speak directly to his daughter-in-law. Uh, it's, it's just a respect kind of thing. So if there's somebody else in the room, uh, you'd say, uh, tell my daughter-in-law uh, this for me. Let her know what's happening. I had a I had a cousin. He's a second cousin, but we just call him cousin. Um, and and he had uh, his son was married to another gal that she was not Indian. But in their home, there are many times when he and the daughter-in-law were there by themselves, and the only other person in the house was a dog. And he would actually tell that dog <laughs> to go and tell the daughter. And, and they were sitting in the same room. So tell, you, tell my daughter-in-law that this is what we're doing or whatever it was. And, and so that that's how they communicated, through the dog. Uh, it's a, it's it seems a little archaic and it seems a little bit weird, but it's very functional. Yeah, and it's uh, it's actually a good system. Yeah, I mean, and then I, it really probably helps you to keep the line drawn, right? You know, especially with a lot of the modern day failures in man and different things like that. So there's a definitely a, a line drawn between you know. Those type of parties. That's so, right. Um, very interesting. Very and I, interesting. I'm actually here shaking my head. Yes, you can't see this on the radio. <laughs> I am. I am agreeing. Right. Right. But okay. But so so they can never speak to the daughter-in-law. No. That's so traditional. Traditional. That would be so. That would not be someone who lives in, that in the modern room. <laughs> that doesn't apply to someone who lives in the modern concept. Yeah. yeah That's someone but, who's still trying to live uh, the old, the right. old way. And it, it's just to show respect, respect to her. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So what about interracial, interracial relationships? Interracial okay. relationships. Interracial. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is how is that looked at? Because you are, right? I am, a, I am a product of that. Right. But your dad was still what? He, my dad was, was 100% in Native American. And then he carried, a, like, a, a position in the tribe, right? No. No, he, he didn't? He, he, we, he carried a position within the family. Okay. Chiefs nowadays are a familial kind of, of uh, honoring. They're not political. Okay. So, uh, for the most part. Okay. There are certain men that we call chiefs who do certain things within the tribe, uh, but the tribal government is totally, totally separate from that. Okay. So, um, where were we? I uh, forgot my question. Inter too. Interracial. Oh, yeah, interracial. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Interracial relationships. Yes. Now, um, I am a product of that. My mother is German. My dad was Lakota. Um, on our little reservation, which is a square about the size of your laptop, um, we have 21 distinct little communities. They're little bedroom communities. And originally, they were established as familial communities, just simply a family. Um, we have, a, have a, had a, an elder who's, uh, who was named Two Strike. And now we have the little Two Strike community that was set up as his, his relatives. Mm -hmm. 
Well, with the with the dawn of communications like we have now, uh, with transportation, with cars, and and those kind of things, some of that has has blended. So it's not as as not as as predominant as it was. For that instance, uh, you you feud this family. That's where you stayed. Um, Still today, it's kind of a joke, but it's not a joke. Um, a young young man will come in and talk to his mom or his grandma and say, "Say, you know, I just met this girl, so and so. Is she my cousin?" You know, so to get clarity to be able to uh, pursue that relationship. Right. Well, that has nothing to do with interracial. But there are people on our reservation who have, because of all those things, the communication and the, and, and the transportation, those things have decided to, to take a, a spouse or a mate outside the tribe. And uh, it, it used to be probably much more than it is now, but there's no real stigma to that anymore. No, no. Uh, it used to be, but not anymore. It's interesting. Yeah, uh, I was uh, re re reading an article, um, and it said that there's only 14 percent of the the Native Americans that can still speak the language. Is that true? Because when you were singing earlier, I, I leaned on her. I was like, "Is she singing? Is he singing in English?" You know. <laughs> uh, and then, then the, I got you was I got, in our La our Lakota language. Right. Yes. So is is the language disappearing? No. Okay. Uh, at least, at, at least with our language, it is not. It is, in fact, in the state of South Dakota, it's required to teach the the Lakota language in our school systems. Uh, we teach it in our school system. If for many, many years, it was a dying language. Now there are no new words in the language. So, so for instance, we don't have a word for gigabyte. So y'all don't y'all don't change those pronouns and stuff. No. <laughs> 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 We're still he's and G's. <laughs> no, unfortunately, uh, no. Well, that's good. So, the, so this interracial thing is not a, not a really an issue. Uh, the language thing is 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 it's growing. So, uh, and you, the, your numbers are probably correct because there may be only 12, 14, 15 percent of Native Americans across the board that speak the language. And and in fact, many Native American languages have already been lost. Wow! Because nobody nobody spoke yes. them. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to avoid. Right. I think. I mean, that's a big part of you know this continent, right? And then there's something that you know America's done a, a terrible job is saving. Mm -hmm. You know, we've tried to do everything to get rid of the Native Americans. Mm -hmm. um, do you see? Do you see uh, a situation where the Native Americans will take a big growth and you know make more of a, a you know statement in numbers going on, or do you see it, uh, the numbers falling as uh, far as population? Yeah, we see the numbers rising. Um, you know, for many many years they declined because of uh, genocide, because of uh, a lot of different things. Um, but but in the last. Three quarters of a century and has really begun to to, to boom. Um, a few years back, the governor of South Dakota came to Mission South Dakota and to talk to the educators. So we were all in this room with the governor, and he said, virtually every 
county in the state of South Dakota is has been projected to downsize in their schools, with the exception of Todd County, where we are, wow. and and they projected a rather large growth, mm -hmm. and we do grow because. Uh, Children grow up, they get married, they have babies, uh, uh, they, and they come home. We that home is that's where our home is, that's where our family is. What's industry there? Uh, we don't really have any any good industry. I'll meth tell you labs. what. Meth labs. Yeah. What's that? Meth lab. Yeah, we got a bunch of those. Um, it's so crazy when you, when you think of South Dakota, you wouldn't think meth labs, you know? It's everywhere. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. that's so, like you would freeze to death before you get a good hit off, right? <laughs> <laughs> it gets in the triple digits for the summer, so. He's a pastor in Long Park, Nebraska. Right. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like, what, 45 minutes from the South Dakota border or something yeah, like that? Yeah, it's not very I far. I a truck from Long, in Long Pine. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not very far at all. Um, but we have we have people who uh, uh, we we are growing we are, we're growing in in uh, in numbers we're growing in education we're growing uh, in economy we're doing all kinds of good things. So, so agricultural, what's the what's the big thing for for Indian to provide for their family? Well, uh, uh, that's a good, a good question. It's difficult because th there are no jobs. I mean, we have plenty of, there are plenty of jobs there at entry level, uh, 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 what do they call that? Minimum wage. Minimum wage yeah. jobs. Grocery uh, store. Yeah. We just got a new Taco John's. Yeah. They brought a container, one of those 35 foot containers. Yeah. And uh, painted it and made it a taco. Well, hallelujah, Mexican food, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> about nine people working in that container, too, man. <laughs> Y'all know this, but David loves anything Latino. Latino, you can tell by my wife, right? I can. <laughs> I can. Uh, so it's just a lot of a bit of a waste type jobs, right? And and is it, I'm, I'm sorry. Before, is it because of the area that you live in, or just the economics of the people? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Both. <laughs> um, where we live, where Todd County is, it's in the very south central part of South Dakota. We we have no natural resources other than our people. And to bring in industry there, you have to clear several hurdles. One, you have to be able to get to secure land if you're going to build a factory. You get that land from the tribe. The tribe will lease you that land. Then you bring in your 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 building materials and you build your factory, and you have to have to hire. Uh, Fifty percent of your labor has to be done by Native Americans, which is nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. Then there is a two percent tax on on your whole project that you pay to the tribe, um, and then by the time and we have no railhead there. So by the time you've done all of this, you now have your building, and you're now bringing in raw materials that you have to bring in from Kansas or someplace else, and you put them in your factory, you build your widgets, whatever it is you're building, then you have to truck them back out again because there's, there's no transportation there, and by the time you get finished with all of that, you've priced yourself out of the market. Right. So it, it's an economic conundrum that we yeah. live in. If, if I may interject, we, there's a organization called Redco, 
And Redco is a Native American uh, business venture, and they've actually got a lot of business ventures going on. Uh, one of their contracts is they build seat or helicopters in Florida. So they contract, they get these big contracts, but they, they, they subcontract the work out to places where those things that Jack was saying exist, you know, railheads and shipping and other forms of transportation. Right. And so in our reservation, the jobs are basically food and retail because there's, there's nothing else really there or a job with the tribe. You know, those, those are good. I had a business on the reservation for 12 years. Uh, I had a computer store full, you know, sales and repair and the whole, right. the whole shebang. So just job basically to keep the community going. Yeah, I only had, I had two guys that worked for me. I couldn't yeah. hire no more, you know. Yeah. Well, but, uh, so, much, so much of that is dependent on, <clears throat> on uh, labor. Labor is tough to get. Labor, good labor is, is tough to get. Yeah, ask uh, the hotel from last night. And, and, <laughs> uh, and we have discovered that... That with all of the influx of cash that the the federal government has done, hasn't really helped our people any at all. Well, I don't want to get too political, but anytime that you give a handout, it normally doesn't work, right? Because um, you have to pay for it some other way somehow. Right, yeah. No oil and gas up in that direction. I no. mean, you're not too far from Alaska. I know there's a lot of oil in Alaska, but there's just just nothing going on there. There's a lot of oil. Far from Alaska. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess Canada's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's right. a lot of oil in North North Dakota, just north of us, four or five hundred miles. Tremendous amounts of oil. Yeah, northwest North Dakota. Yeah. yeah. But where we are, we are actually positioned right over the the largest underground aquifer in the country. And so you won't go. You're thirsty. You won't go thirsty, <laughs> but we may not be able to heat our water. Uh, but no, but it, it is there some real risks involved in drilling through that water to extract oil from underneath it and then risk polluting the water. And that that, that oh, aquifer, 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 yeah, yeah. Oh, well, aquifer goes from Huge. us all the way down uh, almost to Mexico. So was this a calculated? thing when reservations got uh, assigned I don't to, to just give them like the most unusable land yeah. or I, is it was just a happenstance you know uh, I don't think it was I don't think it was at that time it wasn't planned but what was planned at that time was to divide and conquer um, that's an old that's yeah. an old 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 military trick yeah um, and and it has worked successfully there's enough Native Americans in South Dakota right now that if we could ever all get together and agree on something, we would be a real force to be reckoned with. Mm. Because well, we that's like getting us people. together with First Baptist Double yeah. Street, right? That's it. That's it exactly. Well, you know, the Rosebud used to be used to be all of South Dakota, part yeah. of Nebraska, part of Wyoming. Yeah. I mean, it was huge, huge. Uh, and in in earlier years, they came out. The government came out with a thing called the Dawes Act. And the Dawes Act, on the surface, seemed good, but what it did was it gave it gave ownership of land, a parcel of land, gave private ownership. So this native guy got some land, this native guy, but they didn't teach him how to own land. Yeah. So a lot of them lost it through not paying taxes. Uh, a lot of them lost it because it might have been a parcel of some cowboy wanted. They lost it uh, in a 
poker match or in any way. Eventually, long story short, the reservation went from from yeah. this big yeah. to being this big, and the, and the land that we sit on now is beautiful and wonderful. Lots of deer, lots of antelope. Uh, we have the we we have the state record bass was caught on the Rosebud Reservation, but other than wildlife resource, you know, and there's a few hunters that come, you know, people have hunting lodges and stuff, and they bring in the tribe past the ordinance where if you're not of the tribe, you have to have a guide, so there's a guide service that's available now, and, right. but, but as far as other resources that you would see other places, no natural gas, you know, none of that stuff, but, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I, I did read an article about the the reservations getting broken up by by I think it was a, a good intent but it didn't it didn't play out yeah. you know that's like yeah. all these guys that win the lottery mm -hmm. and then they end up broke three years later after fifty million dollars or whatever because yeah. they don't know how to they don't know how to manage money we actually have a community that belongs to the Rosebud Reservation it's called Milk's Camp and it's a hundred miles away from the main body of the reservation. In, a, in an area of South Dakota called Bone Steel. And that one little community sits all the way by itself. And it gets neglected because it's 100 miles away. Right. It's, it's one of the 21 communities. He so was, is that because the land in between got yeah. lost over, over time? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. And, and if you don't mind, I want to digress just for one second. Sure. You know, the young, the young people on the reservation, you know, those are really the hearts that we want to reach. And the Wagyu Christian Academy is reaching those young people through through the school. Uh, the Native American people, at least the Lakota, they, they lost their identity. What does, the question I ask people all the time, what's it mean to me, what's it mean to be Lakota? What's that mean? Well, you know, you ask an African-American guy, what's it mean to be African-American? He can tell you all kind of things, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You ask a Latino, what's it mean to be Latino? They can tell you all kinds of things, mm -hmm. right? You ask my mother what it means Puerto Rican to be, you know, we, we can say all kinds of stuff. But you ask a 14-year-old Lakota kid, what's it mean to be Lakota? He can't tell you because their identity of who they were was stolen, was beat out of them. And, and through religion, not relationship in Christ, religious people came to the reservation and they took the children away from the adults and put them in boarding schools. They cut their hair, made them change their clothes, wouldn't let them speak their own language. Their, their personal religion was outlawed by law. And, and they were, it was the old concept of kill the Indian to save the man. And places like Carlisle schools and stuff like that beat the identity out of the Native American. So generations later, you got Lakota people that cannot tell you what it really means to be Lakota. And they've been working for years to try to bring back the language, the food, to bring back some traditions. But a lot of the young people don't identify as Lakota. They identify as African American or right. Hispanic. Really? And they're into the rap. They're into the yeah, you the know pop culture, so hip hop now. culture. That's yeah. what they identify as. Yeah. And uh, but there's a lot of effort to bring that identity back. And and I think that if they, personally, I think if they could regain who they were, 
then we can lead them better to who they can become right. in Christ Jesus. Because yeah. it's hard to lead someone to Christ when, when they have no idea who they are, yeah. you know? Identity's tough for It's a tough, young, th it's a people, tough right? thing, yeah. yeah. Plus the fact that they're just young people, you're already going crazy trying to figure out who you are, you know? Uh -huh. right. to, you know but that culture was just stolen. And, and even as Christians, as missionaries, we go all over the world, but there really isn't a lot of time invested in reservations. Uh, I I don't find there is. I mean, there's a few groups that come in the summertime, stay a few days, do a little rah-rah thing. My wife and I from New Orleans, we've been there 23 years. I didn't want to go. He hadn't told me to leave. I've asked him to let me leave a couple of times. In the winter? It's a hard place to live sometimes. I've asked God to let him leave. <laughs> I mean, I look at your wife here, and I tell you, Walmart is 100 miles away. Yeah. Okay? One way. That's, yeah, one way. It's a 200, it's an all-day trip. You make an all-day trip to eat lunch, go to Walmart. You, you know. make it worth it when you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So everywhere we drive in South Dakota, it's, it's hours long, you know. Right. But uh, so people stay close to the rest, you know, and, and I'm accepted there. I've been there long enough that uh, I'm, I'm part of the community. You know, I'm that happy fat guy down the street, you know. So we had, we had some, uh, some newly saved young men on here um, a couple weeks ago, yeah. and they were experimenting in psychedelics. And mm -hmm. none of the Indian cultures use psychedelics in, in the past. Is that something that still goes on? Uh, and what are your thoughts about it, I guess? Yes, it does still go on. Uh, mostly, however, most of those things occur in the southwest part of the country, not so much where we are. There are some there. Um, there are some other things besides that that are very, very difficult to, to overcome in spreading the gospel. One is the Indian sun dance. Are you familiar with the sun dance? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, not familiar with it, but... You know all the steps, right? But you know, we you know, I, I think I was taught in junior high or something about it. Ah, well, the sun dance is it was banned for many many years and is now active again. There are I don't know eight or ten sun dances that occur on our reservation every year, every spring, spring and summer. Um, but the sun dance is a a a very interesting uh, phenomena because it's a very spiritual experience. Uh, it certainly isn't a Christian spiritual experience, but it is very spiritual. Where a young man will say, "I want to dance the sun dance," and and I've asked several people who are sun dancers, "Why do you dance the sun dance?" It's a, it's an actual form of human sacrifice. Mm. Um, and they say, well, uh, I, I dance for my grandmother who's very sick and I want God to heal her. Or I want God to know how sorry I am for my sins. Uh, my, my nephew is, is uh, in the army and he's overseas fighting in the war and I want God to protect him. So there are many, many reasons that people will come up with for dancing the sun dance. But it's a young man will will uh, train and work under the tutelage of a medicine man for uh, months, and then shortly before the sun dance occurs, he's taken into a sweat lodge, and he will stay there for a week. Um, 
praying and meditating and and getting himself ready for the sun dance. On the day of the sun dance that he is going to be pierced, they, the medicine man will take him out and uh, lay him on a sagebrush bed and and take a... Uh, in the center of this arena is a big tree. It's the sun dance tree. Uh, and from that tree hang and dangle uh, rawhide ropes uh, that come to the ground. And they will take, they will take, uh, the, the medicine man will take a sharpened instrument and sh- pressing the, the flesh at his chest will pierce that all the way through and attach that rope to that piercing. And the same thing on this side. Mm-hmm. And they, and then, then when he is, they'll help him to his feet, help him stand up, make sure he's okay. Then they will begin dancing and they will dance backward and forward all day long, all the time circling and facing the sun, so that so that 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 you pull against that. And when you have successfully danced the sun dance, you have torn yourself free from those stakes. Um, uh, and every sun dancer will have several seconds that help him. Um, and if at the end of the day he is unable to pull himself free, rather than cut him loose, his seconds will take him and pull him until the flesh is torn and he breaks free. Wow. Uh, I mean, Jesus. Well, the, the women and children, what they, they do it a little different. They yeah. cut pieces of flesh out of their arm. Like you and you, you, you see them as bands, like any soldier would. We have stripes. Oh, okay. And that gets tied in a in a cloth, a colorful yeah. cloth, and it's it's hung uh, on the tree itself. So who who is the god that they're serving or they're dancing to? Ah, that's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. We have we. That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> and and we. In our our Lakota culture, I'm I'm kind of jumping back and forth from from my Christian experience to the Lakota culture. Uh, we we have a name for our God. Our God, we call him Tukashila. Tukashila is the word for grandfather, uh, and it means it can mean many more things than just grandfather. It could mean the, the creator. It could be other things. We have another term for God, which is Wakantanka, which is the great mystery. Um, and our people recognize this Wakantanka as the creator. And so when we're dealing with a, a, a Native American person and he will say, we will say, we want you to learn about Jesus. Um, and he say, well, I, I believe in the same God you do, which is, is at one level true. At another, it is not. But in his mind, he is serving God, uh, the same God that we serve. Uh, much like uh, Muslims will say that Allah is is the God. Um, so there's there's some real controversy in that. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you how how that how that occurred, because it's a, it's an in itself is an interesting story. Back in the day, way back in the day, in the old days way old days, I firmly believe that our people had a relationship with God mm-hmm. not unlike the children of Israel had a relationship with God. Our people worshipped him. We took care of the ground. Uh, um, we were we were game managers. We you know we took care of things. And and when we were hurting, when we were cold, when we were hungry, we would pray. And Wakantanka would lead us to the best buffalo hunts. 
in the wintertime would lead us to the best sheltered places to pitch tents. Uh, when we were thirsty, he would lead us to water. Uh, so much of that is, is, is actual that when the Bible was translated from uh, uh, English into Lakota, John 14, 6 became an issue. And the translators said, how do we say in Lakota that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? And and so the, the Lakota scholars gave it this. They said, they said there is a chanku, chanku, and chanku is the word for trail. So when when we needed food, Wakantanka put us on a chanku to help us find food, to find water, to find shelter, to be to be uh, uh, protected. So that chanku is now part of John fourteen six. So that, that Jesus said, I am the chunku, I am the way, I am the trail to eternal life. So that that is how that whole um, thing played out. Is it a good interpretation? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. It sounded right, but I didn't yeah. know if it was... Yeah. Yeah, no, I understand that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. Well, you know, even Jack telling you about the Sundance, if you really look at it, the Sundance is a picture and a, and a pointing to Christ. Yeah. Because yeah. he was pierced. Christ was pierced in his hands and his feet and in his side. It's a little Old, his, old Testament his, for me. Yeah. There's a fasting period. You know, Christ was in the garden and he, sweat, he, he prayed and fasted, sweat drops of blood. Uh, uh, it, 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 it literally... And he, they hung on a tree. Christ was hung on a tree. You know, yeah. uh, it literally points to Christ. the The issue has been religion versus relationship yeah. in Christ. And uh, a lot of people come, and including myself, when I first got there, you have that zealousness of you know the message truth without mercy. Mm-hmm. You have that truth, yeah. right? And I used to deal with a guy named Lou Fourhorns, who's, who's gone now. He's passed away, sit at, sitting with the Lord. But I would be pure truth with that guy, and he would rip open his shirt and look at me and say, I'm a Lakota warrior. And, and I would just say, well, you need Jesus, you know. And, and, uh, and one day my wife uh, was making a sandwich for somebody. I said, who's that for? She goes, oh, it's Lou's out there. I said, give me that sandwich. Boy, I'm going to tell Lou some stuff. And for the first time in my life, by the time I got to the front door, the mercy of God enveloped me in a way I had never experienced. So when I saw Lou standing out there, it wasn't the Lou I had always seen. It was completely different. And he just looked like a like a little puppy dog, broken and hurt and lost. Because of your scales or because of the change in him? Because of my scales. Yeah. I seen him different. My scales got removed by God. And so when I spoke to him, I spoke to him different. Instead of combative, mm-hmm. I was in agreement with him. And I said, Lou, I know you're a Lakota warrior. I know you're a powerful man in the community. I said, but Lou, you've tried everything and nothing's working anymore, is it? And he looked at me and he said, no. I said, Lou, you need Jesus. And he said, yes, I need Jesus. And we prayed and cried and hugged. And and it was 10 years of relationship with that guy. But it was God 
who removed the scales from my religious eyes yeah. to see the loot that he saw yeah. so that he could minister through me instead of me ministering through me. And so that relationship aspect, that love is what, and, and it, that individual relationship with people, that's what that's what leads them to Christ, right. and they got to see that. Yeah, you, we don't we don't win people there in big events, yeah, or big meetings, but you win them in one-on-one uh, relationships. I think that's the way to go. Everywhere, that's the way to go. Yeah, I do too. I, um, I have a one of my best friends is African American, and we were just talking about some of the issues that's going on in their community, and I said, like, how do you change it? He's like, one at a time. That's it. That's it. What am I missing? Am I missing anything now? Should should we ask any? I had a question. So, so you were talking about uh, I forgot what you said. Y'all called the God of Oh, Okay, so you were talking about how um, you believe that you know back in the day y'all y'all prayed to him and all that. Well, my question was because all over the world you'll see ancient. Um, uh, cultures and they'll have whatever they call their god and I think a lot of it is similar to how you described where they're praying to God and they have a lot of good you know now we say like ancient wisdom or whatever and a lot of the morals and stuff you'll see in the Bible too and um, so anyway I was just curious as to how like how do you relate Jesus with y'all's God, like how do y'all do that? And, okay. and, and why you answer that? Do you relate them as the same or two different? Do they want to relate them as the same or two different people or gods? For clarity, they have to be two separate people. Okay, they have to be. Um, but I, I, and I actually got myself sidetracked. Uh, what I was trying to was starting to tell you was, is that this is how we we experienced God hundreds of years ago. Mm-hmm. And then when, when uh, I hate to call them white people, when Europeans came over, uh, things changed. Things got, the, the, the whole lifestyle was diluted and, and uh, was, was changed forever. But my contention is this. Uh, if when, when the Europeans came, if they had said to Native America, Native American, we understand, we recognize how spiritual you are. We, we see your relationship with God, and we just admire that. And that, I mean, that makes us, we're jealous of that because that's such a great relationship. But we're, we're not here to destroy that, but we're here to tell you that this God that you serve sent to you his son to die on the cross to save you from your sins and to offer you a, an eternal home in heaven. And, and as such, you no longer have to pierce yourself because Jesus did that once and for all. You no longer have to dance and suffer and, pay, and go blind and facing the sun because Jesus did that for you already. Now, if, if the gospel had been presented to us like that, Instead of um, instead of fear, trepidation, 
judgment, discipline. That's how it was presented to us. We were, and Ray said, we were forced to cut our hair and change our clothes and no, couldn't talk Indian, all those things. But if the gospel had been presented to us that said, Jesus really loves you and we love you too. Right. Just the rest of the truth. Right. The rest of the yeah. truth. Yeah. And, and, and leave out all the judgment, leave out all the, the discipline, leave out all the trepidation because that's not our job anyway. Yeah. Uh, things would have been totally different. And I believe if that were the case, today, Native America would be the center of evangelism in this mm. country. Wow. And I don't think it's too late for that to happen yet. So we need to change the value that we place on the lives of Native American people and extend to them the, the hand of, of Jesus' love and allow people to see Jesus in us. Uh, and that's the only way we're going to change. Mercy and grace first. Yeah. yeah. I think you have to build relationships. You know, I think that uh, I tell people all the time, like there's somebody in your neighborhood that, you know, it might not believe in Jesus. Become their friend. You know, it might not it might not be um, the best thing to start the relationship off with Jesus talk. How about just becoming friends with them first? Yeah. Mm. Gain their respect. Yeah. Gain their trust. And Talk then about at, the saints and yeah, the Yeah, whatever it is. Exactly. And then, <laughs> then you have a rapport with them, and then let's talk about Jesus. That's right. Because at the end of the day, what's, what's wrong, even if they deny Jesus, they could still be a good friend. That's right. You know? And I think that's how, how we have to win the, the current culture in America right now. I believe that, too. Um, and, and it don't matter if it's what pronoun people want to be called or whatever. If it's in love, you know, if it's a relationship, that's the way we have to reach these people, not carrying a sign that says Jesus hates facts. Right. You know, because right. that doesn't do anything. Yeah. You know, that doesn't do anything. But I do know that God loves bacon. Oh, I'm going to get there. I have a circle. Look, I have I have a circle right there. We're not. I'm going to, we're, going to, we're going to end with that. Did you get your answer? Your question answered. I think that's sufficient. Well, well you know, if just like the Jews, if you read the scriptures, the Jews served and worshipped God, but as they got comfortable and blessed. They begin to forget God and worship false gods. Yeah. And they'd go a generation that way, and then God would raise up somebody, you know, and bring them back to himself. Well, the Lakota people, they, they worshiped God. But there was some change in history where they begin to worship the creation rather than the creator. Things, the eagle and the wind and the spirit of the rain and, you know, all these different things. And um, I don't know what got them there or how that happened and how to get them all the way back around. But uh, I believe, I believe, and I can't prove it, but it's just like the Jews, you know, they worship God's creation. He turned them over, you know, yeah. and uh, now we got to win them back. Yeah. You know, I have a phrase I say all the time. It makes Jack laugh sometimes. But when I greet people, I say, and it means God is good. <laughs> Which is the only Indian he knows. I know a bunch of other little stuff, but I like, I like that one a lot, you know. So is it like uh, like when you go to France or whatever, and if you know a little bit of it, they'll respect you, but if you come over there as an arrogant white guy, they're yeah. just like, Psh. Is yeah. that the same way the Indian culture is? Pretty much. Yeah, if you try Pretty to much. Lean, lean into them a little bit and show respect to the culture. That's right. Yeah, you got to know you're, you're in their... You're in right. their place. Yeah. 
You know, yeah. you don't just throw your arms up and, you know, here and uh, here I am. Here's the white man. Here's the big white guy. Come, <laughs> come to save all you little Indians. You know? uh, I don't know, like, you ever been to, like, I don't know, a Mexican restaurant or something, and you see the white guy over there, like, Uno mas, senor. Yeah. It's like more Pardone me, senorita. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, you. you know, less of that, more <laughs> sincere. And there's yeah. things that bother American society that didn't bother us over there. We liked the Washington Redskins. Oh, I'm glad you said that because I was gonna bring that, that did up. not bother. Her, that did not bother us a bit. I was gonna ask her <laughs> if this would offend uh, when I ask. Is that a, a a white man culture thing? And this whole yeah, cancel not, culture. Yeah, try not to get political because we try to stay with political <laughs> stuff. But is that? I mean, did the Native Americans go? Yes, take my red face off of that helmet, or they're just like these. Stupid. That team was named by a na a, a, na a Native American chief. Yeah. Was it really? Yeah. That's yeah. Crazy. I don't follow sports. They're, they're so. called the Commanders now. It's like. It's, it's almost like you're another slap in the face because now you're not, you know, you represented them for all these years and now you can take that away too. Well, it's cancel culture in general. You took Aunt Jemima off the box, but you left you left that old dude on the uh, Quaker Oats guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like you left all the white icons on their boxes, you know, but you took all the Hispanics, uh, you know, the Frito Bandito, and you took the, all the black, you took them all out, but you left all the white guys. It's like, come on. So tell me about this Bacon University. <laughs> you know, okay, wait, before we go there, I went on this Facebook page. You know, I tried to do a little bit of research. Yeah. And for a year and a half, two years, only Bacon posts. <laughs> oh, can you blame them? No. no. <laughs> where did your infatuation? I know why. We know why, where it came from. But like, you're really into it. Well, I am. First, what is it? Because I don't know what you're talking bacon. about. Bacon. Bacon. Okay, but what is Bacon University? Bacon University is a website who posts all these bacon memes. Okay. And, and that's basically all it is. And and for me, it's just kind of a humorous thing. Um, but I do, in fact, love bacon. Yeah. Uh, I I cook it many many different ways. Yeah. I put it in my in my uh, cast iron skillet. I I put it on a pan in the oven. But my latest now is is microwaving it. And that's her, that's her specialty. And I, I put several layers of paper towels under it, and then put the bacon down. Then I cover it with paper towel, fry it up any 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 way you like, and it comes out straight. And it's just it's nice. Doesn't make the house smell. Oh, smoke wonderful! Everywhere. Wonderful. People love the smell of bacon. Right. That's that, what that, I'm saying. Now, now wait a minute. Like my house will smell like bacon for three days. That's right. Like, What's and the, the problem? problem? Yeah. <laughs> well, now, now let me tell you this though. Something that I do with that with those paper towels that are underneath there. I save those. You know what I do with them? I put them in my fireplace and oh. put logs on top and one little click of the lighter and it's gone. Dang. Boom. That's the Native American in the And right then it really oh. smells yeah, good. That's when anything goes away. <laughs> you, know what, you know what really goes good with bacon? Bacon. More, more, more bacon. bacon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, I went to this, um, there's a place called Perry Steakhouse, which is this fancy steakhouse over in Baybrook. We, my uh, father-in-law took us as like a Christmas present for his kids, mm -hmm. and you know, I'm married to the kids, so I get to go. So <laughs> anyway, got us fancy steaks and stuff, and uh, with the steaks, you could get sides of bacon, 
But they had these, I can't remember what they called it, but they had like regular bacon, and then they had something, something, some special bacon thing. And the guy like upsold us, and he was, <laughs> he's like, well, did you want to try this bacon? Because this bacon is a better quality bacon. And we said, sure, why not? We'll why not? We're here. And so, you know, they bring you the steak. I think I got a New York strip, and it was nice. It was great. Um, and then the bacon on the side, but it was, I've never seen this. I'm sure it was like the right cut to make it bacon, technically. But it wasn't like bacon, like what you think. It was like a quarter inch or it was like an inch or so thick, and uh, like it was just crazy. It's it called was like pork steak. It was like eating another yeah. steak, and yeah. I was like, "What do you? What is this?" And it, I mean, it tasted like bacon, but it was super <laughs> weird. <laughs> I don't know. Wow, slab bacon. Yeah, bacon yeah. is wonderful. I've never seen bacon like that, like as its own cut of meat. You know what I mean? Yeah. To eat with a fork and knife. It was, Sounds great. It was interesting. Was, well, he's got a shelf in his office. And at the top of that shelf, there's <laughs> bacon products that people send him, you know, <laughs> bacon-flavored spam and and, 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 and you know, like seasonings, yeah. bacon seasoning that you can sprinkle on your food and right. every, everything bacon. Turn anything into bacon. Yeah. Got a little bit of seasoning, yeah, right? It's fun. Well, guys, thanks for stopping by. Just, just let us know as... You know, people that really don't know a whole about a whole, whole lot about the uh, Native Americans. What we, what can we do besides pray? Uh, what should we do? Uh, how should we handle ourselves? And, and kind of just close us out on something like that. Okay. Send uh, money for the school. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be straight up with you. Yeah. Send sports and children for the school because yeah. the school's giving them the gospel. That's yeah, right. That's good. That's Changing right. generations. Yeah. We, we appreciate all that you do for us. Um, we, we have been financially supported from Elam Church, I think, probably for 15 or 16 years. And it has been a, a, a great, great thing. Um, I just want to say thank you, because I, and I'm, I mean that from, from the depths of my heart, I thank you. Um, because I don't want you to quit. <laughs> no, I just thank you. You're very, you're very kind and generous to us, and thank you for this opportunity to let us yeah. come and just visit with you for a yeah, while. For sure, I know. Thank it was, you guys yeah, for thanks for coming out. I'll definitely we'll put uh, their information with their their email address and their PO box. We'll put it down in the show notes. Cool. So if you wanted to go out there and support them, or just reach out to them and let them, you know ask them how you can support them or whatever, we'll put all that information in. And we're thank on you. Facebook as Christian Life Fellowship Church. Or White Eagle Christian Academy. Or White Eagle Christian Academy. Okay, so go check them out, see what they're up to, and uh, you can uh, hit them up on a message there or something. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for coming. Thank Thank you, thank you. God bless you. This is The Refuge Project.